It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 338 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, May 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at WoodleySean. And the show's on Twitter as well, Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. It is the largest team-focused network of daily shows going. I'm not sure that there are any other daily networks of team-focused shows going. But, hey, we are the best. So make sure you're checking out all the different hosts from across the network. Um, especially considering we're in the conference finals. If you want to hear about any of the teams kicking around in the Final Four... Make sure you're checking out the corresponding Lockdown show. You'll get some great local insight on what's going on with those teams. Uh, probably some good sadness from Chris Manning on Lockdown Cavs after last night's Cavs game. Um, optimism and obnoxious happiness from the Lockdown Celtics guys, if, you, if that's your bag too. Uh, so make sure you're checking those shows out. They're, they're a great resource. And if you find a show that you like on the network, please subscribe, rate, or review to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, and if you find Locked on Raptors, that's the easiest way to help out me and support me and support the show. It's a free show, and I don't ask for much, but uh, if you leave a rating or a review, it'll be forever indebted to you. And it's uh, the best way to help out the show. And it takes, again, like no time at all. So thanks in advance for doing that. Uh, all right, on today's show, we're continuing our run of player reviews. And I guess this one's a little bit newsy. We were going to do a different guy. But, uh, you know, things change on the fly. And today, DeMar DeRozan was named to the second team All-NBA. So we're going to talk about DeMar DeRozan. And to help me do that, I'm joined by our pal Vivek Jacob. How's it going, man? Pretty good, Sean. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I hate hot weather. So this is a rough time of year for me. It sucks ass. And I uh, don't do super well in it. So, yeah, it's fine. I just hide inside in the air conditioning. But, I don't know, are you a hot weather guy? Yes, absolutely. Um, I love this. This is the time I live for. And yeah, just going to relish these next three to four months, hopefully five. <laughs> we'll see. I just, I'm not happy that we missed like the the good month where it's like 12 degrees every day. It went from like ice storm to 25. And it's like, eh, like we could have something in between, I think. But, um, you know, whatever. People know that I don't do well in the heat. I think there's like actually. Uh, reviews on iTunes talking about my complaining about the heat. So um, this is not new ground for me to be covering on the podcast. But hey, it's the first hot day of the year, and it sucks, or the second, whatever. Um, we're not going to talk about the weather on today's show, though. We're going to talk about DeMar DeRozan, who 
ran hot and cold, much like the weather in this country. Uh, <laughs> when you go from the regular season to the playoffs, it was uh, kind of a tale of two different stories, although I think he was better in the playoffs than maybe we're ever going to remember because I think you know, the last couple of games against the Cavs kind of soured everything. Um, but it was a monumental season for DeMar DeRozan. It was a season of growth uh, where sort of I don't think we really expected him to be able to grow beyond what he showed in the 2016-17 season, yet he did. He changed his style of play to fit the new offense. Um, you know, obviously some things remain the same, but, you know, I think his mentality in terms of, like, his score first sort of way of going about things, that was not quite what we saw from DeMar this season. It was a significant change, and he, you know, I think against some resistance early in the season really sort of blended into what the Raptors wanted to do on offense and was a big part of why the Raptors were a top-five offense with a brand-new scheme and system. Um, he was, you know, just continued to be an awesome ambassador for the city. There was, of course, the uh, the stuff with the mental health that he came out and talked about and, you know, was a big pioneer for that. And him and Kevin Love obviously have that PSA right now. Like, So there's the, the stuff off the court that just makes DeMar an easy guy to root for as well. Um, but really, it was a fantastic regular season for DeMar. It was career highs pretty much across the board uh, in sort of the advanced metrics. And it was just a, a really enjoyable year, easy to root for, and sort of vindicated nine years of waiting for this guy to kind of reach his peak. But things weren't great either, right? Like, And it wasn't all rosy. And you know there are big questions, I think, facing DeMar, so we'll talk about all that today. Uh, Vivek, let's just start with the good before we get into the bad and sort of the pondering the future. Like, this was, I, I don't think it was the best season by a Raptor ever, but because, like, Kyle Lowry's had monster seasons the last couple years, but, like, this was, like, the best feel-good star season that any Raptor's ever had, right? Like, it just, it was really easy to root for this guy all season long. I think when you look at just the regular season, this is the DeMar DeRozan that people have wanted and sort of been calling for the last two, three years, right? Mm. More playmaking, more ball distribution, a much improved. She's have Kyle Lowry play off the ball more. So much of the Raptors' improvement on the offensive end, which for once actually did carry over to the postseason, um, can be attributed to him getting on the same page uh, with with that transition. A lot of credit to DeRozan. I thought his passing was great. Um, all through the regular season and you know when, when he hit that peak that he did you know in December January a little bit of Feb um, before the all-star break he looked he looked like an offensive superstar and so those were encouraging signs and you have to keep that in mind when you look at the season as a whole Absolutely. Um, as I've been tooting the horn of for most of the last couple of weeks, like the regular season matters as much as the playoffs are where everything is judged. Like the regular season is important and it matters, and uh, it, it's important to take all of what happens over six months of freaking basketball into account. And for six months, Demar. I think I made this point last week on the show, and he just kind of improved in all the areas that he was pretty good before and just became, like like you said, an elite star offensive player in a lot of areas. Like, his playmaking was, 
I, I didn't expect it to be this good, really. I, I, there, there have been signs of it for a few years now, but this season it was just so much more refined and sort of fit into what the Raptors wanted to do. He somehow, after not finding chemistry with Jonas Valanciunas for the previous five years, he found it with him this year. Uh, there was a great chemistry, a great bond between those two in the pick and roll. Um, and yeah, just him and Kyle sort of working with each other, Kyle taking more time off the ball, the trust that's sort of you know inherent to that. It was uh, it was just a really fun season of growth, and yes, there were down times. He had a couple sort of rough swoons, I suppose, near the end of the season. He wasn't all that great. There were a few games in the middle of the year where you know it was a little iffy. It seemed like every time he won Player of the Week, which I think he won like four or five times this year. Uh, he I mean, have, it was five. Yeah, he had like a crappy game after he won Player of the Week somehow, but you know, for the most part, he was just. He was excellent, and he carried the Raptors offensively, and he did that last year as well when Kyle missed a ton of time. But this year, like, it just it didn't feel like it was forced either, right? Like, he took way fewer shots. Uh, it, it came more efficiently. And even though the three-point shooting never sort of reached the accuracy that you would hope for, there were times where it did. There were, I think the numbers are very skewed because he would have, like, a month where he shot 40%, 45%, and then a month where he shot, like, you know, 10% on four attempts. Like, it just... That's not mathematically possible, but you know what I mean. Um, like he just he would he would have these swoons, and the numbers kind of ended up where Demar's kind of been his entire career. But I think the willingness for him to shoot like that was important. There were certain games where when he decided he was gonna fire off a bunch of threes, it was incredibly important and helped the Raptors to some pretty big victories. There was a game against Portland, for example, uh, in Portland, I think, where he went 6 of 10 from deep. You know, the game against the uh, Rockets, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to find the, the box score here, but I think he put up like four or five threes in that game as well. And that was just kind of... Yeah, he was 3 of 7 from deep in that game. There were a bunch of games where, you know, he just for some reason decided, all right, I'm going to shoot 10 threes tonight. And a lot of those times, when he was feeling himself, it worked. So it was a different kind of three-point shooter than we've seen from DeMar in the past, right? Like, normally it's just been, like, the odd corner three here and there. Like, while he didn't hit them all this this time around, he was willing to shoot them. He had 3.7 to 3.8 attempts uh, from deep per game this season, like, by far a career high. 3.6 it is. So, I, I think... While the percentage wasn't there, the the willingness was like it, it was important to what the Raptors wanted to do. You know, the fact that he was a threat to pull up around a screen at the top of the arc, like that factored into how effective the Raptors' offense was. As much as teams didn't really care about that, he could punish teams for going under on screens in a way that he hasn't in the past. And I just thought the refinement of his offensive game was outstanding. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We've talked about the positive stuff to death all season long, though. We should probably just sort of focus on some of the bad stuff because that is ultimately what's going to be the topic of conversation with DeMar this summer. And it's extensive, right? Like, there are a lot of limitations that come with DeMar. The lack of three-point accuracy on a high volume. The, you know, issues defensively. If you're looking at DeMar as a player right now, what do you think is the most limiting factor to his ceiling and sort of inherently the ceiling of the Raptors with him being you know, the one or one A on the team. I, I think the biggest thing that's holding him back is having that defensive base that he can fall on 
to still be a positive when he's not producing points. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one guy I kept looking at uh, was Oladipo during that Indiana-Cleveland series, and you saw that even in the games where he, he was really struggling with his shot, he was still a net positive for the team just because of how well he can defend and getting guys' faces and, you know, be active with his hands. And you look at DeRozan, uh, how strong he is on the offensive end, whether it's, you know, driving to the hole and finishing through contact, and through hard contact, you'd, you'd think he'd be able to, you know, sort of enforce his uh, his strength uh, on the guy in front of him more often. And more than anything, the frustrating part is that we've seen flashes of it. Mm-hmm. Um we saw a couple of times when he defended LeBron on the road in Cleveland where he was able to uh, knock the ball away and make uh, and get defensive stops. So um, how do you get him to do that on a more consistent basis? Maybe Masai thinks part of that is having a different voice that's willing to challenge him more. Um, I thought it was interesting when Masai uh, was asked at the press conference uh, what kind of influence uh, a change of voice can have and he, he said strong a few times. So I, I don't know if he meant it by, you know, the type of influence or uh, the type of voice he's looking for. So if he can get someone that's, you know, not afraid to get in DeMar's face and, uh, you know, as we saw, Casey, you got to give him credit for, you know, benching him in that game three when the Raptors made that run. But maybe you need something more uh, than those little games uh from time to time where he gets benched where you know we've seen it before we saw it what was it in 2016 where he was benched against indiana mm-hmm. uh, and the raptors made that run uh, so um something has to give on the defensive end he's got to show more there um and then offensively i think it was just uh a capitulation of what he does best uh, i was just looking up the numbers and you look at in in the regular season, his field goal percentage uh, within zero to three feet of the basket was sixty seven point six percent, and that went down to fifty five percent in the playoffs, which is below league average. Um, and then the other number that went down was uh, from the ten to sixteen foot range, that mid range, which is usually his bread and butter. He went from forty four percent in the regular season to thirty three percent in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You combine that with him missing, you know, his last thirteen three-point attempts. Uh, that's part of why teams just completely sagged off him when they were defending him when he was away from the ball, and that's another area that uh, the Raptors need to think about because his lack of gravity just makes it so much more difficult for everyone else to operate. And so, in terms of his offense, I think you've mentioned this a few times where he's continue to get better at things he's good at mm-hmm. the things that are his bread and butter but I think now we also have to see a transition in him becoming more of a catch and shoot guy and being more of a uh, threat on the catch where defenses are forced to react that much quicker and make decisions that much quicker yeah no I, it's weird because when I look at his playoffs uh, I while I agree the defense is probably the bigger issue with him and, and like him needing to sort of find a, a, just like a gear that he can kind of be at all the time where he's not a complete liability where he doesn't become just you know the target of whoever the best player on the other team is whenever like, he gets switched onto them like he needs to get beyond that point but honestly I, it's weird the Cleveland series I think maybe it was just sort of that oscillating offense that we talked about from the regular season that you know especially from outside. 
Like, I think that might have played more of a role in the Raptors losing that series than his defense did. And, you know, I think they're both to blame, obviously. But, like, as you mentioned, like, DeMar wasn't a complete pumpkin on defense in that series. Like, he made some nice plays here and there. He had some standout plays, obviously some bad possessions where he lets dudes walk by him as well. But, like, that was the case for all of the Raptors perimeter defenders in that series. So I'm not sure how much extra blame you can heap upon him considering the offensive load he carries. But, like, in that in that series he didn't hit a three he was 0 of 9 he didn't attempt one in the last two games and that I think kind of goes back to an older version of the Raptors where his lack of efficiency kind of hinders the overall upside of the offense and yes you mentioned the Raptors offense was still very good in the playoffs and like Cleveland's defense is exposable even when DeMar is going 0 of 4 0 of 5 from 3 but I think just sort of that next level that they sort of reached this season a lot of the best Raptors games this this year were ones where DeMar was taking a bunch of threes and actually hitting them and sometimes they'd struggle when he was eating a ton of possessions and not hitting hitting his threes and I think they sort of counterbalanced that this season because even in games where he wasn't hitting his threes in the regular season he wasn't eating nearly as many possessions as he was in the past so you were able to trade off some efficiency that way like when he's taking 20-23 shots in the playoffs and not hitting any of his four or five threes his efficiency just dies and this is like basic math or whatever but like I think that was a bigger problem, right? And I think finding some sort of consistency with his three-point shooting would have been, you know, obviously too far gone for this season. But that, I think, is going to be just as key as him sort of finding a gear on defense. Because in the playoffs, like, he's going to be asked to create. He's going to be asked to make plays. He's going to be asked to take a lot of possessions, late in games, whatever. Um, You know, the, the game slows down. Star players are asked to do more. You know, it's just kind of how it goes and if you're going to be trying to attack switches and stuff like that like DeMar has to be able to sort of diversify what he's going to do there because there were games in the playoffs think of game four against Washington for example where he struggled with this three-point shot he's one of four and like he didn't really he wasn't aggressive taking those shots and instead he sort of plotted into the court into the paint and got in a bunch of trouble and picked up a bunch of foul calls but also made a bunch of dumb plays and poor turnovers and stuff like that so like I think as much as I just credited him for being a higher volume three-point shooter this season and showing an aggressiveness and an ability to shoot them, he has to find some sort of consistency there. He really does. Otherwise, they're prone to what happened in the in the Cleveland series where his offense being, you know, just like a point per shooting possession or whatever, like that's not going to cut it, right? Like he's going to have to beef up the efficiency for them to withstand, especially if he's going to be a bad defender. Um, so, like, there's lots of things that go on with DeMar. And, like, it's so... I don't like knocking down DeMar because look at what he came from. Like, he, he was never supposed to be this good. And he's worked his ass off to get here. And it feels like we're kind of missing the point to be pointing out all those flaws without sort of praising him for all the good that he does and, and the good that he has done for the last five or six years and just sort of the growth he's shown. But... Eventually, I guess it depends on what sort of aspirations you have as a fan or as a team, and I guess you have to confront these larger scale issues with him, but I don't really know how to reconcile all that. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, like, DeRozan is a huge part of why the Raptors won the Eastern Conference during the regular season, finished with 59 wins, franchise record. Uh, His improvement has been consistent with the team's improvement over the last five years, and so he deserves a a huge ton of credit for that, Uh, but... I think now, as the margin for error decreases in the playoffs, you need your best players to take it up another level. And so I think this is more just us just having a conversation about 
what he needs to focus on going forward um, on the base of what he already has, you know? So um, I think he's just got to continue to get better that he's done that every single season. Um, And now it's just honing in on those finer points that can make him, uh, you know, maybe not questioned when he's named to an all NBA second team. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't like that they release it so far after the regular season, because if you release it the day after the regular season ends, like there's no question to that. Right. And, and we right. can get into this. We've already talked about the all NBA stuff, but I kind of forgot to bring this up. Like Kyle Lowry got three total votes. DeMar got 165. That's messed up. Right. <laughs> like that. that yeah. Uh, yeah. The, Kyle's a better player. I don't think that's... I think the playoffs left very little question about that. And I didn't really have much question about it in the regular season either. Um, but just... The, the I, think, I think it yeah. had more to do with Kyle just going into more of a secondary role. Yeah. Um, the fact that DeMar made that transition in his game over the course of the regular season and that, you know, sort of catapulted the Raptors to all the great things that they accomplished in the regular season. And so I think... Just, you know, a lot of the media showed respect for that. And, yeah. um, for long stretches of the season, DeMar did carry the team. So, um, obviously, those totals are extremely skewed. Um, but I also think it, it probably comes down to the fact that um, voters probably saw that they needed to reward one of the guards. Yeah. And most of them, when, they, when you had to pick one just for this season you probably would pick DeMar. Yeah, I think that must have been some sort of element too, whether it's tr- tr- strategic voting or just how it played out. Like, it was a big race for that last couple guard spots. Like, there was lots of, you know, potential for guys to be snubbed or whatever. And I think probably people just wanted to make sure there was one guy from the 59-win team on, on one of these teams. So, um, and like, I don't have a problem with DeMar making it. As much, I was about to make the point. Like, as much as I disagree with Kyle getting way fewer votes than DeMar, and as much as I think Kyle probably deserves the spot more if you're looking just based on stats, like, I think there's room for narrative in these silly things. Like, yes, they some of these, you know, all-NBA nods have contract ramifications and stuff. Maybe that's stupid, but, um, like, I think there's room for, for narrative in this stuff because, like, ultimately... Over the course of a season, I, I kind of buy into the idea of, like, who, what are you going to remember the season as? And I think you're going to remember this season more from a Raptors perspective as a big season of growth for DeMar as opposed to a season where Kyle sort of took a step back. Was his same ridiculously effective self, maybe even to more, uh, a, a greater extent when you factor in the playoffs, but I think just the, the narrative juice behind DeMar's season this year totally warrants him making the NBA team. I have no problem with it. But the the disparity is is pretty ridiculous, and people should re- appreciate how damn good Kyle Lowry is. But we'll talk about Kyle Lowry uh, at some point in the future in the next couple weeks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Speaking of the future, DeMar DeRozan is locked in for another three years. I think he has a player option the last season. 
Like he, mm-hmm. if like the Raptors aren't under any sort of gun to move him by any means, but I guess this also comes down to sort of your inclinations as a fan and what you want out of the team and whether or not you're sick and if the the, if the returns on this run of very goodness are diminishing at any point. They're still not for me. I still dig it and I hope Demar's back, but. There is a definitely a contingent out there who want to see DeMar move this summer. I think Will Lou made the joke today that DeMar gets named second-team All-NBA and one-third of Raptors fans go, oh, does this boost his trade value? Like, that that's an actual thing that happened today. Um, and it's sad and I think probably misguided. But if you're the Raptors, like, what in, under what circumstance do you move DeMar this summer? Because I, I don't think you can just offload him for parts and I don't think you're going to get, like, a great value back for him. That's why I think he's probably going to be back. But, like, I don't know. How would you approach this summer if you're the Raptors front office as it pertains to DeMar? I think the way the Raptors front office uh, should take it is they still see it as a two-year window to continue to get better and improve on the team that was. And you look at the culture reset. I mean, this wasn't just a one-year thing. Yeah. Um, so you so you look at the first year, and you just look at how you can improve upon it. And if uh, again, if Masai believes that a change of voice and a different figure had to come in and sort of see things with different eyes and bring a different perspective, uh, can improve the Raptors. Then I think it's important to give the team that shot. Now, do I based on what happened with Casey? Do I expect all four of Lowry, DeRozan, Valanciunas, and Ibaka back? I would be a little surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, would I be surprised if one of Lowry and DeRozan were to go? Uh, probably. I think they've been such a huge part of everything that's happened um, over the past five years and the improvement that um, to just let it go at this point. Uh, let go of the rope uh, would be a bit disheartening. So I'm curious to see what another coach can get out of DeRozan um, again uh, defensively, and you know, and then for him to just continue to make the strides that he's made offensively. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, again, I think he should be back. I don't think there's any reason to blow it all up at this point, as I've reiterated many times on this daily podcast, in which you hear my voice every goddamn day. Um, and, like, yeah, I think there's less reason this season to move on from DeMar and Kyle than there was, say, last year. Because, like, yes, DeMar's last few games were bad against the Cavs. Um, but, like, overall, he was pretty good in the playoffs. He had some monster games where he really kept the Raptors afloat when the Wizards were daring him to uh, in the first round. And, like, for the first time in a while, I think the burden is not quite as much on DeMar and Kyle as it used to be. I think especially Kyle, but even, you know, to DeMar to a lesser extent, I, I still think... You could put a, bur- a blame on, you know, either just, like, mental fragility, I guess, if you want to say it, or Serge Ibaka, as I said on yesterday's show. Like, I think Serge being an absolute nothing was the biggest reason the Raptors lost that series. Um, like, DeMar factored in, of course, but I, I just, I think you can sell yourself on bringing him back next season. And, and considering all he's done, like, it would just be a bummer to move on from him after the year he just had. Like, second-team All-NBA. Like, again, argue with it if you want, but, like, it was a deserving nod. It was an excellent season, and I would feel pretty bummed about moving on from that. And it just feels like something that a very good team that wants to fancy itself as, like, an elite organization probably doesn't do. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I, I don't know. What's the offer, in your mind, 
that sort of says to you, like, yeah, like I can I can give up tomorrow because we're getting this in return, or whatever. Like, is there something out there that you've heard speculated? Um, obviously, none of this is reported or true or anything. We're just sh- just shit talking right now. But like, is there something on the table in your mind? You know, trade machine it up if you want. That like you have sort of brainstormed, like, oh yeah, I think I could talk myself into that return for tomorrow. I I really haven't looked into anything personally. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I believe it was ESPN or The Ringer that put out a bunch of trade ideas. And I think one of them was Memphis giving up the number four pick and salary, whether it was Parsons and someone else mm-hmm. for DeRozan. Um, again, if you get the number four pick, uh, this is a draft where you don't even know who the number one pick should be. So you're getting a number four pick and then hoping he becomes as good as what DeRozan is now, I, I, I don't know why that would be worth it. So, um, I'm, I'm, I, I don't see a deal that would come about that would benefit the Raptors now or in the future. Um, he's just sort of in that weird place where you know what he's worth in terms of the analytics. And so I don't know how much teams are willing to give up for that. Mm-hmm. In some ways, even though Kyle is older, um, I think he might have more trade value um, than yeah. Rosen. So I don't know. I think it's an interesting one. Uh, I, I wouldn't really look to make a deal for Rosen unless something just blew me out the water and there's someone that, um, <laughs> that you just can't say no to. Like, you know, if Washington wants to give up Bradley Beal, sure, let them go ahead. But why yeah. would they do that? Yeah. The, 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 to touch on the fourth pick thing, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind that. It would be, in theory, that's, like, not a bad trade off, right? Like, you, you get off to Brozen's money. You get a, a, an elite prospect that, you know, maybe you can get a couple pieces elsewhere in. If you save some money on DeMar, maybe you can kind of rework the roster a little bit. And if it doesn't work, then you have another guy to throw into the core with OG, Pascal, DeLon, Fred, whatever, going forward, like, that's not a bad idea. But the fourth pick in this draft is the fourth pick in the middle of what projects to be a run of about five or six centers in a row. And, like, unless you really want to reach on a wing that you like, maybe Miles Bridges or something like that, if you were to get into that spot, like, that feels like a bit of a reach considering where he's been projected or whatever. But, like, it feels like you're drafting into a place where you're going to draft someone that you already have kind of on hand because they already have a million bigs. Maybe, obviously, I guess the talent, if you want someone who's going to be better than Yaka Pertle or whatever, maybe you can sell yourself on a Jaron Jackson or something like that. But, um, like, I think, A, I don't know why that makes a ton of sense for Memphis. I guess the the argument from the Memphis side of things, they might be the most likely of the lottery teams to do a deal like that because they have, you know, older veterans and Mike Conley and Marcus Saul who still have a chance, if healthy, to be good. And sort of the template that we've seen the Raptors use, you could kind of apply to the, the to the Grizzlies and say, oh, you can have success with that. Like Conley next to DeRozan, very similar to Lowry next to DeRozan. You got Marcus All, who's just like a more complete, fully realized version of what people wanted Jonas Valanciunas to be all along. Um, so maybe you could sell yourself into that working if you're the Grizzlies. And like, I don't put it past the Grizzlies to do some weird shit because they are owned by weirdos and do crazy stuff all the time. But um, I don't think that's particularly likely. I wouldn't get my hopes up if I'm a Raptors fan who also happens to like Jaron Jackson. Um, and yeah, it's I'm not sure like the money's going to be hard because he makes a lot of money, of course, and there's not a ton of cap space out there. And I honestly think 
the thing that's going to hamper a DeMar deal is going to be the sort of crazy free agent player movement somewhere we're due for because there's so many bigger names than DeMar out there, whether it's LeBron, Chris Paul even, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, like these guys are out there. Like DeMar is going to be the plan D, plan E for a lot of these teams if that is what comes to pass. And, right. you know, you'd have to wait until after a team strikes out in free agency to really sort of sell a team on, hey, here's DeMar. Um, so uh, that that seems tricky. Like, to get something done before the draft seems highly unlikely. Um, and, you know, I'm eyeing those two Clippers picks. Maybe the Clippers fancy themselves, you know, they wanted DeMar. But at the same time, the Clippers just traded Blake Griffin because I think they wanted to avoid long-term deals and sort of set themselves up to be a player in free agency down the road for something bigger than DeMar. So... I don't know. It's uh, it's tough to say. I don't think it's particularly likely. What do you think the odds are that Demar is on the team uh, to start next season? I mean, I probably I probably say there's a ninety percent chance he's back. Yeah, I would even probably go higher than that. Like it just yeah. it seems like a hard move to accomplish considering all the dominoes that are kind of holding up the line. I think um, in the NBA this summer, but I don't know if you were to pick a lottery team. Who is the most likely to make the move? Um, probably Memphis. Yeah, they just they just seem to be in the middle of nowhere right now. Um, you can never rule out Sacramento from doing some dumb shit. <laughs> this is true. No, the I second did, pick uh, seems a little. Did, high. I did ship off Bruno to them, so um, <laughs> they, maybe they're on good terms now. So, uh, yeah. Who knows? The Kings, they're capable of anything. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'd just be very, very shocked if DeMar was traded. Yeah, I would too. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be upset by that, like Raptors fans who are kind of sick of the DeMar experience. But uh, enjoy things. DeMar is very fun, easy to root for. So uh, don't worry about it. If he's yeah, back, I mean, he's one, back. It's good. One thing that I think people need to keep in mind is, you know, DeMar is hands down the best one-on-one player on the team. Yeah. And there's value in that. I mean, Kyle Lowry is great. The numbers show that. The analytics show that. Um, but his one-on-one game has tailed off some. Um, you think back to that 42-point game he had in the regular season where he was able to just dominate. I mean, I don't know that he's capable of doing that anymore. Uh, he, he showed he's capable of doing it in flashes, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think he's someone that can do it on a consistent basis. Uh, if he did, I think it would make things a lot easier for DeRozan as well. And you know, maybe they wouldn't have had to transition completely, you know, from playing off DeRozan as much as they did. Um, so I think that's something that people need to keep in mind. So even if you make a trade, uh, I don't know if you can transition to just playing team-oriented offense all the time. I mean, we're seeing it with the Rockets and Golden State where, you know, teams are able to switch so effectively now mm-hmm. where you, you're almost forced to go into these isolation modes and, and then what? Yeah, uh, DeMar, still a very good ISO scorer. I think was still among the best in upper possession bases this season. And also, like, you know, for the Kyle Lowry heads, count me among them, Kyle Lowry's awesome, but... Like, I wonder, without DeMar there to take on a lot of that load, how much of the work that the Raptors did this season to keep Lowry fresh for the playoffs, which clearly worked because he was Mm -hmm. fresh and good in the playoffs, how much of that goes out the window if DeMar's not on the team, right? Like, we saw that happen in the 2014-15 or 2015. It was 14-15 when DeMar got hurt, missed 21 games, and sort of the load that Lowry carried, yes, it's a different roster now and whatever, but 
the load Lowry carried there, you know, absolutely wore him down by the end of the year. And now we're three or four years later. Like, I, I think you could sort of pencil in a similar sort of gradual sort of breaking down of Kyle Lowry if he doesn't have DeMar there to take on so much of the offensive burden. Because there's not a readily available Raptor right now that I think can sort of absorb that many possessions, right? Like, that's just not on the nope. roster. It's hard to find that guy. I don't think you're getting that in a trade either. So, um, you know, I think best case scenario for a trade, you're getting like a few spare parts, like a couple wing pieces. Ideally, you can stick along the perimeter, but none of those guys are replicating DeMar's creation. So, um, yeah, I, I team run it back all the way. I've talked myself into this <laughs> 10 times over. It just, it makes sense. There's no need to rush to break this thing down. Yes, it can be sad to sort of think of the bigger picture, but also six months of good basketball is really fun. And Damar has been a integral part of six months of really damn good basketball, basketball five years straight, and he should be commended for that because he's awesome and he's uh, he still got us, uh, as it were. Uh, yeah. Anything for me else? Personally, yeah. Watching really good basketball during December and January and February when there's nothing to do except sit in your room and hibernate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, to tie it all into the beginning. Like, you don't need to be watching the Raptors in the playoffs in this weather. It's fine. It's it's nice out. Go outside and be hot and sticky all you want. You don't have to watch the Raptors. And uh, DeMar is making that easier for you to do. Um, that's my most – that's the most Sean spin I've ever put on anything before. Uh, the playoffs are bad because they keep you from going outside in nice weather. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's a very neat take. Either way, uh, I think we've covered DeMar pretty extensively. I'm sure we'll talk about DeMar more often in the summer as we get closer to the free agency and all that stuff. But uh, until then, Vivek, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, what do you got? Uh, I'll have a piece out on LeBron in Elimination Games for Sportsnet tomorrow, so you can check that out. And then I'll be doing a few player reviews for Raptors Republic in the coming week. Right on. And uh, also... For those who I have told about my vacation I have coming up in July, the, the, like right smack in the middle of when LeBron's going to be deciding the course of the league, um, Vivek is, uh, I believe, we've discussed, Vivek's going to be taking over the podcast during those couple weeks, and uh, he'll be coming at you, probably making the podcast much better in those times. So get ready for that. Get hyped for that if uh, you're sick of hearing my dumbass voice talk all the damn time. <laughs> I, I will try to live up to the greatness I will strive for the for the Sean Woodley greatness uh, try better you can do better you... <laughs> <laughs> alright this, uh, this was good man we'll talk to you soon uh, listeners thanks for listening subscribe rate review on iTunes it's the best way to support the show uh, and I'll be forever indebted to you blah 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 the same spiel I've given you 338 times probably closer to 700 as if we double it um, for the number of times I've shilled for the network and the podcast on iTunes on this show. Just freaking do it, okay? Like, it's not hard, and it's very helpful. So thanks in advance for doing that. And uh, we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.